There is drama every which way you look. At the moment in the world of hockey, we've had epic fights, coaching changes, roster moves and plenty more over the past week. And we've got lots of action to come in the coming week, not least here in Europe with the Champions Hockey League quarterfinals. We will be looking at all of it on episode 7 of the Hockey With Ice podcast. Welcome to the Hockey With Ice podcast. Welcome to the Hockey With Eyes podcast being recorded on the afternoon of Sunday, December 3rd here in the UK. My name is Matt Smith. I hope you're doing well and you've enjoyed lots of hockey. There's been plenty to enjoy over the past week, which is why or one of the reasons why I've decided to go a day early with the pod recording this week. The other main reason is that it is miserable outside. I know the usual caveat we always talk about the weather here on the podcast but yes, it was very cold over the weekend. It's supposed to be very cold this coming week. And it's just been one of those dull, grey, murky, misty, dreary days in England. And I guess you have to expect it because we're in early December now. But yeah, definitely a day to stay in the warm, look at some hockey news and do a podcast recording, I thought. So let's get cracking and let's start off with the NHL, because later on today, as I'm recording this, Chicago Blackhawks will be playing Minnesota Wild. That is in the Sunday European friendly game. So afternoon time in Minnesota and early evening time here in Europe. And both teams have been in the news this past week. We start with the home team, Minnesota Wild. They are the team who has made the second head coach change of the NHL season. Fairly modest, you would say, a couple of months into a professional sports league to only have two managers being sacked. The first one was Jay Woodcroft of my own Edmonton Oilers. The second one, unfortunately for him, was Dean Everson of the Minnesota Wild. Both he and the assistant coach, Bob Woods, were relieved of their duties, as they like to say, on Monday. And just a couple of hours later, the former Predators boss and also former Devils boss, John Hines, was appointed as their new head coach. Everson, it really wasn't much of a surprise, I guess, considering the fact that the team had not got off to a good start. They were 5-10-4, heading into Monday when they decided to make a change. It's been there for a few years, took over from Bruce Boudreau at the end of the 2019-20 season. You have to say the highlight of his tenure in Minnesota was the regular season 21-22. It's the best record in franchise history. But unfortunately, regular season was great, but then they got beat by the St. Louis Blues in the first round of the playoffs and never really recovered from that. They did get to the playoffs last season, of course, but was another one and done. Wasn't particularly helpful to have um, some players out injured and they've had players out injured to start this season too. But it just hasn't clicked for the Minnesota Wild. So the team has decided to make a change on the bench. And John Hines comes in. Now, he was let go by the Nashville Predators just at the end of last season. And it's an interesting one, this, because technically he is still under contract with Nashville. He's in his final season of the contract. So both the Predators and the Wild will technically be paying him this season. Now, that is a nice, that's a nice scam to pull off if you're John Hines. Well done, that man. He's done well there. He's got a, a nice salary in the bank from a couple of teams. So good for him. We'll see how he does with the team. I do think that 
Minnesota had a bit of a strange offseason, didn't they? And they, they, I'm sure I'm far from the only person who looked at their roster coming into the season saying, well, it's a good roster. It's definitely one that can be competitive in the division, but is it really better than what they've had in the past couple of seasons? And that roster didn't get far in the playoffs. So what are your expectations coming in when you haven't really made big changes on the roster? But there we go. They're going to shake it up by bringing in Hines. Beans means Hines, and so does the Minnesota Wild. As for Chicago, well, of course, we have to start with the the sordid story, I guess you would call it, which we talked about a little bit in brief last week, the Corey Perris, Perry saga, where the veteran forward was put on waivers so that his contract could be terminated. And we didn't know much about the circumstances at the time. We still don't know the full extent of it, but the various statements that have come out now that he has been released from his contract, particularly his own statement, is that it clearly was something involving alcohol and then something he did when he was under the influence, potentially to or with a staff member. So who knows what that was? What we do know was it wasn't the thing that some sad-ass bastards on the social media gutter or in the social media gutter were putting out there in regards to Conor Bedard and his family. Just sick stuff. And he got asked about it the other day by reporters, which I understand it is a story, but it's just... I mean, people just believe any old nonsense, don't they? And don't care about the fact that it's real human beings involved in all of this who get swept up in the nonsense. But there we go. Let's push that to one side. Corey Perry, I don't know. It would be interesting to see if he ever gets back to the NHL after this, of course. Very good career. I'm not quite sure. Some people say he's potentially a Hall of Famer. Maybe. I mean, he's achieved a lot. Um, his teams have achieved a lot. He's more of a Hall of very good than Hall of Fame for me. But we'll see if that marks the end of his career in the NHL or if he can come back from it. I guess from his point of view, let's hope he does because if alcohol is involved in it and he needs to get that under control, hopefully he can make a return and get that under control and finish his career on a better note than what it currently looks like it would do. Same with the Chicago theme, they had to add something, didn't they? Having lost Corey Perry and also losing Taylor Hall for the season with an injury. Anthony Bavillier has joined the team in a trade from Vancouver. And that was for a conditional fifth round pick. Just, well, less than a year on from the former Islander being traded to Vancouver. So it's a weird situation for Bavillier. He'd been with the Islanders for a while. I remember watching his debut for Vancouver, which was in New York against the Islanders and they did a lovely video package for him which was very emotional and uh, I always like it when teams do that and they get the fans get the chance to pay their respects to players who have done well for that team it's something you don't really see happen here in England in football some some fan bases will do it themselves but it's nice to see players who've contributed a lot to the organization coming back and uh, getting a good reception but he has moved on fairly quickly. He, I don't know, he did okay for them. I don't think you can say it's anything against him. It's just that Vancouver were looking to move some money. This is the, the way of things with the flat cap world that NHL teams are in at the moment. They needed to move some money and he was really the odd man out. So he has joined Chicago and will move into the team. 
and desperately needed, of course. We do know Chicago, we spoke about this, you know, I think, in the previous podcast. We know the expectations this season are relatively low. It's about getting Connor Bedard into his NHL career and seeing what progress they can make over the season. But good player, they've brought in Bovillier and he should be a good addition for Chicago, making up for some of the offence and some of the veteran side of leadership that they've lost through Taylor Hall and Corey Perry. Not being with the team for the rest of the season for slightly different reasons. Part of the reason that Vancouver were keen to get Bovillier's salary off their books was that they wanted to sign Nikita Zadorov, as I call him. Good player, good defenseman. It was a weird situation, of course, because he was there at Calgary. Like quite a few players that have gone through Calgary recently, was not particularly keen on signing a contract extension with the Flames, so had asked for the opportunity to be traded to another team, potentially to sign on with a team who may sign him long-term. And Calgary granted that wish, the trade request. They obviously were looking for a good deal for them. And he has joined the Vancouver Canucks. That's in the exchange for a 2024 fifth-round pick and a 26th third-round pick. Interesting to see... As is always the way with these things, it's funny how these things work out. He did, of course, play against the Calgary Flames on Saturday in his debut for Vancouver, and he scored. The Canucks won 4-2 in that one, and Zadorov got an assist on the final goal. He cleared the puck with the Flames net empty, and originally, I believe it was actually credited to Zadorov, but Elias Pettersson got a little tip on it along the way. And so it was credited to him in the end, but still got an assist there. So a good player to be brought in by Vancouver. So far, not too much in the way of firm news around contract talks. There have been a few rumours that they've been talking a little bit about it, but there is hope on both sides that they will come to a deal. And you would expect they would do. It's a good player currently earning 3.75 million and... We'll see how he fits into the budget, but you surely expect that the fact that Vancouver went out and traded for him, they've got a plan and they are hopeful that they can sign him for longer term. So a good addition for Vancouver and Calgary Flames, a bit of a blow for them, but they're in a weird spot at the moment, aren't they, with various players coming and going and some wanting out, some potentially wanting out, looking for trades. Bit of a... Bit of a weird time in Calgary at the moment, and they're trying to regroup. And a few draft picks then coming into the pot for them at least to try and rebuild for another day. And talking about rebuilding for another day, that is what the Detroit Red Wings have been doing for the past few years. And boy, oh boy, what an announcement they made this past week. Patrick Kane is going to be playing for the Detroit Red Wings, the Chicago Blackhawks legend, is crossing the divide and playing for Detroit. Really strange situation, various Chicago Blackhawks talking about that, how weird it will be to see him in that uniform. But that is where he is going, of course. Had the hip surgery over the off-season. He, mainly through his agent, the comments have been coming, but always seemed very confident that he would be coming back to the NHL and looking for a good deal. Of course, ended our season with the New York Rangers. There were various teams who were linked with him who might make for a good a good fit for him and a good fit for them. Of course, salary was always going to be an issue because of the cap space that most teams simply do not have. But Detroit do have cap space. 
And of course, the key there is what can he do with that team this season? Well, we don't know, actually, but Detroit have certainly been much more much more competitive than perhaps some people thought. They did make some good moves over the offseason, of course, not least Alex Debrinka, and he is someone who Patrick Kane played with in Chicago and by all accounts really enjoyed playing with, so he will be reunited with Debrinka there in Detroit. But we'll see. We'll see how far he can push on. Detroit have been in good form of late. Actually, they've won five of their last six games, including a 5-4 win in overtime in Montreal on Saturday night. And that was a good showing for them because they, the Red Wings actually were 3-0 up in that one. They were 3-0 up after the first period, got pegs back, but showed good character to come and win it in overtime. So Patrick Kane joins that team. The expectation is apparently that he will make his debut on Tuesday against the Buffalo Sabres. And Buffalo were a team who were rumoured to potentially be in for Patrick Kane, as that's where he comes from. So, interesting stuff. Patrick Kane is going to be a Detroit Red Wing. What do you think about that? It is going to be a weird look, isn't it? A really weird look, I have to say. But I think that's a good addition for Detroit. And I do wonder how far Detroit can push on this season. There's certainly been a feeling that mm, playoffs may be a step too far. But who knows if they really take a leap forward. They've definitely got some quality talent on that roster. If they go on a run, especially in the second half of the season, you never know. They may get a wild card and they may be able to push through. And once they get there, we've seen it before, saw it with Florida last season. If you can make it into the playoffs, who knows where you can go from there. So an exciting move for Detroit. A weird move for us all to see Patrick Kane in a Detroit Red Wings uniform. But that is what is coming our way. Apparently, starting on Tuesday against the Buffalo Sabres. And meanwhile, we should say, I say it's going to be a weird look. That's probably a good segue to talk about his former team, the New York Rangers. Did you see their third jersey? They've unleashed. The, the, the notes were unveiled, the jersey, in their official statement. But I would say unleashed their third jersey design on the public the other day. It is a, a, an interesting concept, I will say. It it looks to me a bit like if you ever go on a, an online shop and you can design your own T-shirts or your own hoodies or something, and there's a bit where you can click to add a logo and then it will appear on the screen. It feels a bit like somebody's done that with New York Rangers logo. They've done it far too big, but they've just looked at it and thought, ah, yeah, that'll do. There's some nice touches on the sleeves, but it is basically a navy blue top. And then the big New York Rangers logo, it just pretty much takes up, I don't know, 80% of the front of that jersey. It does look weird. It looks far too big. But I don't know. I guess it's New York. I guess they can carry it off maybe. But an interesting one. Those fur jerseys are going to be worn 10 times this season. The first time apparently is on December the 10th in their game against the LA Kings. So they are coming to a, an arena near you. And I don't know how many they will sell, to be honest, but we will see. Maybe New Yorkers will get behind it. But it's a, it's a slightly weird look, I would have to say. Elsewhere for the New York Rangers, they have had a bit of a blow. They've had to put a couple of players on long-term injured reserve list. Capo Caco and Philip Treitel are on the long-term injured reserve list with their respective injuries. Um, they don't think that Kako's injury is season-ending, but expect him to be out for a while. Chytel 
could be activated fairly soon, soon because it's retroactive. Um, and of course, Adam Fox, hopefully he will be activated off the list fairly soon as well. But uh, we shall see. But yeah, the Rangers, despite playing very well, especially their offense is absolutely on fire at the moment. They are dealing with a few injuries. And of course, that's something that could be said for plenty of other teams, not least the New Jersey Devils. I don't think many teams have been hit harder by injuries so far this season than the New Jersey Devils. Dougie Hamilton is on the injured reserve list. Unfortunately, his injury was much worse than feared. They were hopes that it would be relatively minor and need some rest, but he had to have surgery to repair a torn pectoral muscle, which I think... Sounds pretty painful to me. It's retroactive to November 28th. No timetable for his return just yet. Other than they don't think it's going to finish his season or anything, but it's going to be a while that he's out. And also Thomas Nosek has re-aggravated his right foot injury. Um, that's been, He's missed most of the season so far. So he is out indefinitely too. And another player who is out for quite a while, unfortunately for him and the Montreal Canadiens, is Alex Newhook. He's played pretty well since coming across from Colorado over the offseason. But unfortunately, he came out of the game on Thursday against Florida with a lower body injury. It's been diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. It means he is going to miss something like 10 to 12 weeks. That is a big blow. He's done well for them. I know he signed that four-year contract with them and he'd been doing well for them so a real blow for both him and the Canadians because you don't want to see players like that who've had a change of scenery and are doing a good job you don't want to see those guys going down so bad luck for Alex Newhook and bad luck for the Canadians other than that we should say well done to the Anaheim Ducks for finally breaking their eight-game losing streak. They did that on Saturday against Colorado with a 4-3 shootout win. The shootout winner coming from Leo Carlson. He got a goal and assist in that one. So far from 16 appearances, Leo Carlson has got 12 points, seven goals and five assists. He only turns 19 on Boxing Day, don't forget. So he's doing really well in his first season in the NHL. And as for this result... It was kind of fitting, actually, that they broke the eight-game losing streak against Colorado because it was an 8-2 pasting by the Avalanche on November 15th that set that losing run off. So good for the Ducks to get that monkey off their back. And finally, in the NHL, we have to talk about that classic scrap between the Panthers and the Senators. It got tweeted about by lots of people, so it's something that a few of my work colleagues and friends have mentioned to me who don't follow hockey, but they saw this clip on social media and wanted to ask about it, particularly the clip of the referee chucking basically everyone on the ice gets a game misconduct and was kicked out of the game. Classic sequence, 12.38 in the third period, Brady Kachuk was a little bit naughty, as is the Kachuk way, with a bit of goalie interference on Sergei Bobrovsky, and there was a big old pylon that resulted. Lots of throwing of punches and people jumping on top of each other and rolling around on the ice, as we all like. And as I said, yeah, the ref just decided to chuck everyone who was on the ice at the time, got a game misconduct call. And I have to go back to it because it was brilliant from Paul Maurice on this, the Florida coach. So... The NHL.com explained that the two teams combined for 167 penalty minutes, including 12 game misconducts. And Paul Marie said, that's mild. We only got to about 160 some minutes there. 
It's got to get into the 250s before it gets too squirrely. <laughs> I love it. And then he went on to say, and this is this should like go on a go on a poster, go on a t-shirt or something, put it on a plaque and hang it in the Louvre or something. He said, sometimes hockey can get like that. That's part of why the game's so darn great. Because it's graceful and beautiful and physical and angry all at the same time. Probably good for both teams. You get to make it part of the story of your year. I love that from Paul Maurice. Doesn't that sum up why we love hockey? Graceful and beautiful and physical and angry all at the same time. Yes, sir. That is why we love hockey. And that is why we love the NHL. also have some great European hockey as well, of course, and there's plenty to catch up on, not least with the European Champions Hockey League quarterfinals coming up in short order. We do have to start with the absolutely tragic news, horrendous news, particularly just after the, the devastating loss of Adam Johnson. The update on Sunny Hakala, who we spoke about on the podcast last week. She plays for the Haute Fier, um Swedish women's hockey league team is their captain and suffered a terrible injury in their game a week or so ago when she went headfirst into the goalpost and it's just horrible news isn't it it's been confirmed she has confirmed herself that she is paralyzed from the chest down absolutely devastating um she said, it's still hard to understand what has happened. Not only that I am forced to stop playing hockey, but I, I may be forced to sit in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Just terrible. The neck injuries have been very severe. She does have some movement, apparently, in her hands and her arms. And she said, I understand that I'm now facing a long and hard fight with my body and the toughest game of my life. I've had amazing support from my family from day one, and I know that they will be by my side throughout the whole journey. The situation obviously sucks, but I'm not scared to take it on. So all of our best wishes, I'm sure from everyone, I speak on behalf of everyone, horrible news for Sani Hakada and best wishes to her. We shall stay in Sweden and start off with one of our regular Swedish Hockey League updates because there's been lots going on in the Swedish Hockey League over the past week. And we start with Forestad because... We have the Champions Hockey League quarterfinal between Forestad and Hrelefce coming up this week. And last Tuesday, it was a big preview because the two teams matched up against each other in the Swedish Hockey League. It certainly didn't disappoint. Forestad won it 7-4. It was an absolute cracker. Let's hope we've got some more of that in the Champions Hockey League this coming week. Hrelefce took a 2-0 lead through goals from Pa Lindholm and Philip Sumbai before the red-hot Victor Redsell got Forestad on the score sheet three minutes before the end of the first period to make it season one. Forestad then scored three times in the second period, including a goal for 17-year-old Jack Berglund scoring in his SHL debut. He was born on the 10th of April 2006, which will make pretty much all of us feel very old, I'm sure. He is the son of Christian Berglund, who did play in the NHL for the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers. Jack was actually born in Switzerland while Christian was playing in the National League there, but he plays for Sweden. So he's currently playing for the Swedish under-18s. This season, he's mainly playing for Forest Stars Junior 20s team. 
Um, he's almost got a point a game there so far, but he was brought into action because of some injuries, made his debut as a 17-year-old and scored. Fantastic for him. There were five goals in the third period. It ended up Forest at seven, Halefja four, a hugely entertaining game. Perhaps not for the coaches. It's always a way with this thing. Uh, coaches prefer a nicely controlled game. This was anything but that, but it was hugely entertaining for us. Absolute cracker. And hopefully we'll have a bit more of that in the Champions Hockey League quarterfinal over the next two weeks. As for Forestad in the league, they lost 4-2 on Thursday against Timor, but then bounced back on Saturday with a 6-3 win over Hurtiet. That means Forestad are top of the tree by four points. And the guy we do need to focus on for Forestad is Victor Edsel. Boy, oh boy. I don't think you can get hotter than Victor Edsel right now. Two goals on Saturday in that win. And he has 14 points in the last 10 SHL games. He's third in the SHL with 22 points from 22 games. When you look across the last 14 games for both club and country, he's got 11 goals and nine assists. Fantastic stuff. Here's a guy who did play in a handful of games for the Chicago Blackhawks back in the 2017-18 season. Then spent the following season with the Rockford Icehawks in the American Hockey League. But decided to come back to Sweden at the end of that. Coming back to Forestod. He's 28 years old now and it feels like he's really coming to his own. He's got such a big... He's such a big guy, 6 foot 5. It's almost like... There's an expectation as the sort of player he should be. And he is physical, but he's that big physical play is not really what he's about. I think sometimes he got a bit of a, just a bit of a, he had to struggle through people's perception of what sort of hockey player he should be. He's learned how to use his size and his strength, even though he isn't a big banger in terms of a, a big physical guy. He's really come to his own now and it's great to see. As for her left jet, well, after they lost to Fourier Start, they were shut out against Ludua on Thursday, two to nothing. Matthias Ford saved all 18 shots on his net. It was a somewhat lackluster performance from her left jet, from what I saw on the Home of Hockey stream. However, her left jet do go into the Champions Hockey League quarterfinal in a good mood because they came from behind to beat Eurobrew 2 to 1 in overtime on Saturday. Now, this was an interesting matchup because Elite Prospects, the fantastic, indispensable hockey website, Elite Prospects, did a tie up with the home of hockey website to allow subscribers to see the game live uh, wherever you were in the world. And it was a really good one. Eurobrew took the lead through Robert Leno, his seventh goal of the season. And it was set up by Jonathan Leckery Markey, the 15th overall pick. The 2022 draft by Vancouver. They then had a whole host of chances in this one to extend their lead, including hitting the post twice early in the second period. And that all came back to haunt them when Canadian Dylan Sakura equalised for her left year. His first goal in the SHL in his 20th game. A former NHL player, he did play 58 games across Chicago, Vegas and Colorado. Axel Sundin Pelica, the 17th overall pick, for Detroit in the this year's draft, the 2023 draft, got an assist on that goal. So a couple of guys there who are known to NHL fans as good prospects. They got to get on the score sheet on the points list, which was good for anyone tying up from the elite prospect side to see the home of hockey stream. It was scoreless in the third period, which meant it went into overtime. And Seb Forsfield won it. His second goal of the season for the 18-year-old product of her left year. He 
was a sixth round pick of Seattle in the 2023 draft. So he got the winner. Great game, lots of fun, and hopefully there were plenty of people watching it who don't normally watch the Swedish Hockey League. He will be encouraged to sign up for the Home of Hockey subscription service where you can watch all the games as a result of seeing this one. So both teams go into their quarterfinal in good form, as do Fekwa. Um, they have their quarterfinal against Genev Sevek coming up and they beat Ludua away 2-0 on Saturday. Emil Lamy with his first shutout of the season and Carly Kossler, King Kossler, he is the man at the moment. He got both goals in this one. 11 on the season in the SHL plus 14 assists means he's top of the points leaderboard with 25 from 24 games. Fekwert now are four points behind Forestad in second in the league. They beat Modo 4-1 on Tuesday, then suffered a 3-2 overtime loss at home against Lexand on Thursday. As for Lexand, oh, it was not so cheery for them on Saturday. They lost 4-0 at home against Linshopen conceding three goals in 40 seconds in the second period. I don't know how this is possible, but I watched it back again for Home of Hockey. It was crazy. So Linus Holstrom on 13 minutes 49 with Ty Ratty getting his 13th assist of the season. Then Anthony Greco scored on 13.57 and 14.29. Now Greco came into this game with only one game on the season so he then scored two in 32 seconds. Incredible stuff. Link's open are now fourth in the SHL. Lexans are in eighth. And finally, with the SHL update, Frau Lunder, we've got to look at those guys. It was history for their head coach, Roger Rumbai. David Estrum got the only goal of the game on Saturday against Oskarsham, which means that Rumbai, their head coach, has his 396th SHL victory. That passes Roger Malin for the most coach wins in the SHL of all time. So congratulations to him. This was not such a happy occasion for Oskarsham's head coach, Martin Fielander. Oskarsham now have lost 10 games in a row. They've got just five wins from their 23 games in the league this season. The bottom already 16 points adrift of Mau Mau in 12th. So it's already difficult to see them avoiding the relegation playoff. Been in the league since being promoted in the 18-19 season. It's going to be tough for them. They've got a lot of experience in that roster when you look at it. I think actually they may have the highest average age of any roster in the SHL. So they've got experience there. They're going to need to grab hold of all of that and make something of it because it's a real struggle for Oskarsham at the moment. And like I say, they're almost certain really to be in that relegation playoff come the end of the season. But let's not talk about relegation. Let's talk about something more positive. Let's talk about the Champions Hockey League quarterfinals. So, four games coming up this week. I mentioned the game between Forestod and Halefja. So, we'll put that one to one side and instead look at the other games. Fekwe, they are going to take on Genève Servet. So, Genève Servet um, knocked out Red Bull Munich in a round of 16, whilst Fekwe knocked out Ingolstadt. Genève Savet, they're like a few teams coming into this quarterfinal. They've not really been in very good form of late. They're currently 10th in the Swiss National League. They did beat Ambry Piotta 5-2 after the second leg win against Munich. But since that point, they've lost four in a row, including a 4-2 loss against the league leaders, Zurich Lions, on Saturday. So you have to be honest and say, Freck will look a good bet to get through that quarterfinal. But Genève Savet, 
if they can pull something out in the first game at home, maybe they can give themselves a fighting chance in the second leg. But Vekwa look a good odds-on favourite to come through in that quarter-final. Two more teams who are not in good form are Rappersville, Yona Lakers and Vitkovic at Redira. So Rappersville got a shock of round 16, but are knocking out the top seed Adler Mannheim. Whilst Vitkovic got past the Lati Pelicans with a helping hand from Lati's ice rink, it has to be said, with the forfeit game that gave them a nice 3-0 win in the first leg. So Rappersville, Swiss National League, they are second bottom, 13th in the league. They come into the game in dreadful domestic league form. They've lost all five of their National League games since that second leg win against Mannheim. And over those five games, they've conceded 20 goals and scored just three they were shut out by Burn on Saturday, 4 to nothing. so they are not in good form. The only good news for them is neither a Vitkovic at Redera. Uh, Tipsport Extra Liga team in the Czech Republic. They are playing today as I am recording, so we'll see how that one goes. But prior to today's game, they had lost all four games since their second egg win over Lati Pelicans, albeit one of those in overtime and one in a shootout. So we'll see if they can get a win today. After I've recorded this, and probably once you listen to this, you'll know the answer to that. But they will be looking for a good result to head into the Champions Hockey League in at least some sort of form, because otherwise both Lem and Rappersville really are out of touch right now. And then in the other quarterfinal, we have Dinamo Panabitsa against Luko Rama. This one actually starts on Wednesday, so the other three games are all on Tuesday this coming week. Dinamo Pardubitsa against Luka Rama is on Wednesday. Pardubitsa knocked out Ilves Tompra in the round of 16, whilst Luka Rama are now the sole Finnish Liga representatives after getting past Innsbruck in the round of 16. So Dinamo Pardubitsa, prior to Sunday's game, they had won three in a row and were top of the league in front of Sparta Praha. So we'll see if they get a win again today. Lucas Radil and Robert Gusel are both joint second in the league with 23 points. So they're doing really well in the Tipsport Extra Liga in the Czech Republic. As for Luko Rama, since their second leg of the round of 16 win against Innsbruck, they've lost three in a row before beating TPS on Saturday 4-1. So at least they got a win before heading into Champions Hockey League action. They're currently ninth in Liga. Not really clicking for them, but they do have that great top line of Braden Burke, Julius Matia, and Sebastian Repo. And in any contest, if those guys click, they can cause the other teams a lot of problems. So Dinamo Pardubica on domestic form, you would back to be slightly the team to come through on that one. But Luca Rama with that top line talent definitely could come through that one instead. But it's going to be really exciting to watch these games. So... On Tuesday, UK time, 6 o'clock, Central European time, 7 o'clock, is Kolefja against Forestod. Then at 6.45 or 7.45 European time, Jelef Savet and Fekwa and Rappersville and Fikovica. And in the Wednesday game, which is 5 o'clock UK time and 6 o'clock Central European time, is Padabitza, uh, Dinamo Padabitza, sorry, against Luko Rama. All of which... Brings us to the end of today's podcast. Lots to look forward to this coming week. And there's been so much to enjoy recently. Don't forget that the 11th to 17th of December, which is not too far away, is the third international break of the season. There are three under 20 World Cup divisions taking place 
overlap period. One in Hungary, one in Slovenia, and one here in Great Britain in Dumfries, Scotland. So you can get tickets for that week. They're afternoon games mostly, so that should be good. So if you're up there in Scotland, you can get to see Great Britain under-20s do get along. But that is it for this episode of the Hockey With Ice podcast. Don't forget to follow us at Hockey With Ice on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. At Hockey With Ice on the YouTube channel. And of course, hockeywithice.uk on the website. Until then, thanks for listening. I'll be back later in the week, probably Thursday night or something like that, with another update looking back at the Champions Hockey League games and the NHL news from then. <laughs>